0: Welcome back to Mob Talk with Talia
1: Little.
0: So, before we begin today, I just want to do a bit of an acknowledgement. Um, just want to acknowledge that I'm on Bunarong country today. And where are you guys today?
2: I'm on Jajawarong country.
0: Where's that? That's in like, that's Asia. Uh, eh?
2: Yeah, like Bendigo, Castlemaine, sort of area.
0: Wow, well, okay. Do you live there?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Moved here a few months ago.
0: So, are you working from home at the moment?
2: Yeah, working from home. I still I go into the office like once a week, once or twice a week.
0: What made you move out there?
2: Uh, I was I was I needed a break from the city needed to come somewhere where I could be a bit more grounded, a bit more around nature. Um, so yeah, thought I'd come out here. My, I live on my nan's farm, which is really nice. He's got an amazing shipping container home. I'm just saying, you know, really? yeah. Yeah.
0: what about it? Like, why is it so cool?
2: Uh, well, I'm in a paddock with like horses. Um, you know, you wake up in the morning and there's like kangaroos in the paddock Um, yeah, it's just really feels really wholesome. I feel like I'm doing a good thing for the environment, um, sort of by living a really sustainable life. Um, yeah, I'm growing all my own veggies, all of that stuff.
0: Wow. You've like gone out into the bush to like reclaim, reclaim my and whatnot. Like that, you know, when you go out to the bush and you like start living in it or like when I go back to home, um, in Alice, you always feel so grounded, like waking up and feeling that, like, especially in winter, that cold air yeah like sunrise and stuff
2: yeah the fog's hitting like the dam and stuff yeah it's beautiful
0: i always tend to like think about what it would have been like 300 years ago i don't know why but it's just like a thought that comes into my head all the time
2: yeah yeah i think that as well must mm-hmm. be a career thing
0: yeah it would be so um michael what where what country are you coming from today
1: I'm in Rwanda country at the moment. I'm near our head office. I'm about 20 minutes away, so.
0: Oh, lovely. Yep. Very cool. So um, everyone that is listening right now, we are lucky enough to be joined by Dan and Michael. So they are members of the, what would you, what team do you come from in VACA?
2: So we're, we're members of the CQI team, um, but I guess our roles as in the LGBTIQA plus space. We're also a part of the Marup team. Um, yeah.
0: So can you just elaborate a bit on what that team is?
2: Yeah. So marup is Woi Wurrung for Rainbow Spirit. And so that's VACA's LGBTIQA plus inclusivity working group. Um, so basically we meet on a monthly basis to discuss inclusivity at VACA and make sure that our services and our spaces are safe for mm-hmm. um, queer staff staff and clients.
0: Wow. I actually didn't know that was a thing, to be honest. Yeah, That's really lovely. So like when you guys meet, what are the kind of things that come across your desk that you're looking to improve?
2: Um, it might be things like in the past we've worked on um, materials. So making sure that we've got resources available to staff and clients. We've worked on um, celebrating events. Michael, what else would you, would you say are our priorities? I think really we tried to kind of when we started it, we tried to take an organization
1: wide approach. So really try to look at the organization kind of at a real deep down level and looking at things like policies and procedures, training modules and be like, how can we make this more inclusive and how can we make this more safe as well? That leads on to us trying to do the rainbow tick as well, which I believe we'll be talking a bit about a bit later about um, as well. But yeah, it's basically there to just make sure that the organization is inclusive for the rainbow community.
0: Mm. And so what led you guys to start your journey with Zaka? Like where did you, how did you come and kind of connect?
2: After you, Michael. Um,
1: yeah. So I started um, working at VACA. I was very lucky. I started volunteering here for a little bit for about six months. And uh, I was lucky enough to work as a kind of during uni as a one day a week job. And when I finished my degree, uh, the CQI team like, do you want to come work as a quality advisor? And I'm like, I will take that. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Right I will take
0: now. that job. <laughs>
1: I will take that job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just continue working on that. And I've been at VACA for, I think, I think four and a half years now. It's been a while. Wow. Been difficult with COVID in terms of understanding what year it is and all that. But um, yeah, that's kind of me. You're becoming part of the furniture, Michael.
2: I think I am, Dan. I think I am. <laughs> I've been here a long time. But um, yeah. what about you, Dan? How long have you been here for? Yeah. Uh, I've only been at VACA, or oh, only. Um, I've been at VACA for about two years. So I started over in the East um, as an Aboriginal youth justice worker. Um, and I You
0: mean Chan
2: Yeah, yeah, over at Transfer. Wow,
0: I reckon we might have worked. Yeah, maybe.
2: Yeah, I did start during COVID. So I think I went into the office maybe like five times. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I, I did that for about 10 months. And then I come over into the LGBTIQA plus space. Um, and I guess I got to VACA. I started my career in community services in disability. So I, I worked in disability for five years and then wanted a job where I was, you know, helping more than learning more about my own culture and stuff like that.
0: Mm. So you started off in disability work within VACA or out of VACA? Out of VACA. Out of
2: VACA, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so when you talk about connecting um, and learning about a bit more about your mob, what did that look like for you? Have you always known that you were Aboriginal?
2: No. So I found out I was Aboriginal when I was about 13. So my Nan came and told us, but she wouldn't or she couldn't share a lot of information. Um, So for me, my cultural journey has been really interesting there's been times where i feel like i really can connect to to my culture and community Um, and then there's been times where i feel like i'm really distant from it um so yeah i think what starting at vaca looked like for me was it was another avenue or another opportunity for me to be able to connect with mob um and and find out more about my culture and, and what that means for my identity whilst also working with mob and yeah supporting people.
0: Was that a hard journey? Um, I think so. I think it it
2: was interesting because, you know, you find out that you're a part of uh, this community, this culture. And for me, it was like, this makes so much sense. This feels so right. There was just something about it that felt so right. Um, But it was also really hard because you're trying to connect with a community and with a culture that you didn't know you were a part of. And it can be sort of really scary and daunting to to engage in that, um, that community and that culture. Um, so I think initially, yeah, it was really daunting, but now I'm feeling more confident and, and you know, more knowledgeable about my culture and, and who I am, which is mm. awesome.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. I think it's really important as well, like when people are ready um when they're going on those journeys to when they're open to and if they are open to to kind of share that with people because there's so many other young people or older people who find out that they're mob later on in life or you know going through their teen years when they're trying to figure out their identity and it's really hard um to kind of feel connected and feel like you belong somewhere when you haven't and I've always been known I was Aboriginal so I didn't really have that issue but I recently did a course um, with a bunch of law students and whatnot and we went out in country and a few of them had struggled with identity and to kind of um, hear them towards the end of the course be more proud and be more confident was really lovely because they had that connection with other people so it's really important you know to be able to like share those things
2: for sure. I think I found so much um, like peace in knowing that I wasn't the only one going through this when I sort of started at VACA and learned that the experience of not knowing your culture and not knowing who your mob is, is actually a, a, something that a lot of people go through um, and it made me feel a lot better about my journey.
0: Mm. I think as well with VACA, a lot of people are drawn to our organization because it is so inclusive. Something- inclusive you know especially within that cultural space um we hold space for young people who you know don't know their culture and we try and connect them in like that's our, one of our main things is connecting people with culture and although working with for vaca we try and um, help people heal it's also a healing journey for ourselves you know and like working um with people that are Aboriginal and that are going through their identity finding out their identity and whatnot. It's kind of really powerful in itself. And having allies like you, Michael, as well
1: definitely. Well, I think one of the reasons why I really wanted to work at VACA was seeing all the great stuff that's done in the back, you know, connecting the identity and um, like when you go into the head office on the wall, it's got a map of Victoria with all the important locations on it. And it really just, as soon as you walk in, it feels safe, like it feels right. And, you know, when we do, I mean, not so much now, but when we did team meetings in person, there's always, you know, like a possum skin on the table or like... Um, lots of flags and something. And you just, it just feels like a nice place to be. So I definitely agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've even just noticed on your Zoom, it says Michael Ward and then it has your pronouns and then it has, we're country.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't that's see that much. I don't
0: even know how to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something that we try to do because we run training as well. We try and get participants to always have that as well. Just remembering, you know, what organization we work for and to be proud of the area we're in.
0: Oh, that's lovely. So working in the rainbow queer um, LGBTQIA space, did you guys always have a passion or was this something that's come from personal experience? Like what kind of led you to that?
2: And you wanna go first? Yeah, um, so for me, I grew up in, um, on Yorta Yorta country in Echuca, Um and I am a proud gay um, Yorta Yorta boy. Um, and I also, I use he, him pronouns. So for me, um, when this opportunity um, came up to work in, in this queer space, I it, it felt like I was wearing Cinderella's glass shoe. Like it just felt like the perfect fit for me. Um, I was so excited to be... Um, helping people with not only their cultural journey, but their their journey to understand who, who they are in terms of their gender identity or their sexual orientation, um, and, and I guess explore that part whilst also being supported with, with their cultural identity and their connection to community. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I feel like it was the, the best fit that yeah I could
1: find. Can I say, seeing Dan come, he's absolutely crushed it in the role as well. And we've done so many new materials, new activities, new events because of Dan as well. So just a big shout out to Dan for doing an awesome job on that. You're a
2: legend. Shout out to Dan.
0: Love that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's like in these spaces, um, we can't do these things with our allies, like you, Michael. So, you know, what kind of led you to want to work in this space?
1: I think for me, I was kind of working just in the CQI team, just doing general stuff. And because um, I was kind of here at the beginning, of the process that Racker was doing in terms of being more inclusive. And they kind of talked about Bill up and the working group. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. You know, like I wanna make sure I'm okay being there because I again I'm an ally. I'm not in the community because it's such an awesome place. Like, yeah, sure, come along to a meeting. And I think from that meeting you really felt like this is something really important. You know, I think we've talked about it before, you know, being it's got to be community led. It's gotta be led by people in the community, but it's got to be supported by allies as well. Cause it's such an important thing to do. And like over the past two years we've definitely see the changes in the organization made as well so it's really it's really kind of like a pleasure for me to work on that it really gives me something that you know I can say to all my friends I'm doing something really important here so
0: so nice to be a part of change isn't it it's something that like it's kind of an emotion and feeling that it's just like one of those big natural highs that you can't really compare to anything else. And kind of, you know, I guess, I'm guessing when you both came to VACA seeing the changes within the inclusivity space um, from then to now, it's just going to be such a, uh, I guess a proud moment for you guys.
2: Absolutely. And I think we've had um, so many highs along the way. We've had staff come to us and, you know, really open up and, and say that, we're creating such a safe space that they feel they can open up in a workplace for the first time in their life. Um, And those moments, like I get goosebumps just talking about it. Those moments are what it's all about.
0: So what are some of those changes that you have seen since you started working at to now? Like what are the key things I guess that you guys have helped improve along the way? Yeah.
2: Michael, do you want to start? Uh, like from the beginning, I guess, because Michael was involved in Rainbow Tick um, before I started um, in the space.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm just giving a bit of context to everyone. So as part of um, the Rainbow Tick, VAC has tried to create a more inclusive organization for the LGBTIQ plus community. What the Rainbow Tick is, it was developed by an organization called Rainbow Health Victoria, as well as our accreditation body, QIP. And it really wanted to get organizations um, to understand how to be inclusive and how to provide inclusive services and how to be an inclusive um, employer as well. And as part of that, you know, VACA was always very inclusive, but we did find that we just wanted to be a bit more inclusive specifically for the Rainbow community as well. So since then, we've been doing things like developing our policies and procedures to make sure we have inclusive language in that. Um, We've also developed a training. So we've actually trained over 80% of staff in inclusive practice as well as... um, Um, Yeah, it's pretty impressive, as well as celebrating important events like Ida Hobbit, we're at Purple Day. And uh, if you go into the VACA offices, you'll see there's rainbow flags and rainbow posters everywhere. So really trying to be present in, in the organization as well.
0: That's so important for young people as well, like just to walk into a space and, you know, already be um, already be kind of, I guess, nervous in the welfare space. If you're a young person and walking into an organisation and then seeing those flags that would really make someone feel super safe. Just like for me, if I walk in somewhere and I see an Aboriginal flag already, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is a safer space than it was before.
1: Yeah, that's what we that was one of our key aims to how can we make this as safe as possible as well. And like we've also done it in areas, not reception areas as well, like so our staff feel safe as well. So, you know, in different lunch rooms and in
2: different meeting rooms as well, make sure we have the rainbow flag. Make sure we have posters as well making sure we have gender neutral bathrooms available for staff and clients um and as, as a queer person coming into a back office and, and seeing all of those rainbow flags like you just feel so much you feel valued you feel seen you feel like the staff are going to treat you with, with dignity and respect um which just makes engaging in, in a service that, that you probably really need so much easier um, and so much more meaningful, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever um, experience any, I guess, hate in, like, this is just to you, Dan, um, being, you know, a proud gay man, you um, I feel like my generation, I don't know, I hate saying generation, I feel so old, but like <laughs> my age group uh, uh, coming out um, isn't as maybe prolific. I don't think that's a word, but, you know, I might say i'm gonna use this as an example my dad was i was having a conversation with him the other day and he was saying to me he's like i just feel like it's not that common for people to question their sexual identity and i was like dad that is super naive of you to think that because it's not just this generation that's gone oh okay well we can all be you know whatever we want to be it's obviously something that's been um going on since time began and people have just kind of pushed it down and that's why it's coming out now so like for me, there's not like within my friendship group, at least there's no, I guess I don't know what the word is, but um, like there's no, no hate against people in the no pre pre assumptions. I don't know. There's a yeah. word. There, and you know what
2: I'm ideas. Yes, that's yeah, that's the word.
0: Thank you about yeah. you know people in the pride community because it's just just normal. Like it's just normal now. So like, do you ever experience any kind of you know hate or um, mis? you know, mistreatment or anything?
2: Yeah, so I think um, the experience of being a queer person and a queer Aboriginal person is so different for everyone. And there's so many factors that make it so different. So I grew up in Echuca, which is a small regional town on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. Um, So I guess the values of young people in in Echuca are gonna be really different to the values of young people in like Metro Melbourne or something like that. so growing up, I was quite lucky. I didn't experience um, much like uh, overt hate or um, overt discrimination, but I did experience the discreet homophobia um, and lots, lots of assumptions about me because I was a gay man. Um, I remember going to parties, um, you know, I'd go to farm parties in a chuca and I'd meet people and I'd say, hi, I'm Dan, and they'd go, oh, you're the gay kid. And I was like, oh yeah, I am, but I'm also so much more than that. Um, and I used to have sort of fake profiles on Facebook, messaging me, um, sort of making fun, but also making it seem like they needed support and help. Um, so the, I guess the hate that I did experience was a lot more discreet and a lot sort of harder to challenge. Um, but it's also, my experience is probably going to be really different to the experience of somebody who was growing up in Metro Melbourne or, you know, someone who's growing up in a remote community.
0: Mm. And what was that like for you, I guess, you know, having those moments where people would say those things and then also messaging you, trying to like access a little bit of support in a weird way. Like what was that like?
2: Um, for me, it, it was really hard. So it was... It was lots of, I guess, adjusting myself and who I was to make the people around me feel really comfortable. Um, you know, when kids would say, oh, you're the gay kid. I turn around and say, oh, well, I'm not that gay, which I like I'm about as straight as a circle let me tell you so I don't know what not that gay um, even means but you know that that's something that I'd say I'd push away everything that associated me with the queer community so that the, the people around me felt really comfortable um and I guess the ongoing impacts of that were was that I started to lose sight of like who I was I I was telling people I was a gay man but also trying to be as straight acting as possible. And so I spent, you know, a a really long period, um, confusing myself and then having to unpack that and go, okay, well, who am I when I'm not trying to please the people around me and make them feel comfortable? Mm.
0: That must've been hard growing up as a kid and having those kind of, um, kind of things put on you when all you're trying to do is find out who you are and, you know, in in a safe way, like I can kind of relate that um to being Aboriginal in a sense where people would say certain term like certain terminology or would question my identity and you'd have to justify almost. And yeah. it's an uncomfortable feeling. You're like, why do I have feel like I have to explain who I am?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's exhausting. It's exhausting having to to like feel like you're the voice of, of a whole community. Um and I think, you know, that's something that we really try to touch on in our training that we deliver, we run a a really great activity. I don't know, Michael, if you want to speak sort of about that and about the the feeling being universal, even though the circumstances are different.
0: Did you hear that,
1: Michael? (laughs) Hello, sorry. Hello. Did you uh, want sorry, to speak- I think my internet might have cut out. Sorry, was, that, was there a
2: question? Okay. There? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did you want to speak about the, the activity that we run in training? Um, because Talia mentioned that, that she can sort of relate my experience to being Aboriginal, and it just made me think about this activity and, and how the feeling can be universal. Yeah, yeah. So that's the impact of silence activity, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, oh, sorry, um, so no, know the X's and
1: O's activity. Oh, it's
0: a lot of great. Yeah. I did a- the a- training. Lot of
1: amazing yeah. activities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, we do an activity where we show participants on the screen a graphic and it's an O surrounded by X's. Yeah. And what we want participants to do is just to talk about a time that they felt a little bit out of place or felt a little bit like they didn't belong or felt a little bit uncomfortable as well. We just get them to talk about that in their breakout rooms, and then we come back and share it as well. And it's a really good activity in kind of making people prompt to think about, you know, perhaps, oh, if this has happened to me, this can happen to other people as well. And then we link it with the LGBTIQ plus community as well. And like, how would it feel to be in that community and feel out of place and not belong? So.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess everybody's felt out of place before you know and it might be whether you've wore the wrong outfit to a party or it might be that you're growing up as a gay kid in a predominantly heterosexual community like we all understand that feeling of being out of uh feeling out of place and so I guess what we're trying to show participants is if you can relate to that feeling you can relate to somebody who's LGBTIQA plus yes the circumstances are different but you know if you've rocked up at a party in the wrong outfit that feeling that you felt might be how an lgbtiqa plus person feels a lot of the time when they're in predominantly heterosexual environments
0: do you feel like it's getting quite well it's getting more progressive in melbourne like melbourne is super progressive as it is but do you feel like it's slowly starting to kind of open its eyes even more
2: yeah, absolutely. I do. I think there's still there's still a long way to go, um, you know, and the thing with when we're supporting, you know, minority communities, it's easy to to look at a win like um, the yes vote and go, OK, well, that's the problem solved. But there's still there's still so much more that needs to happen. But, yeah, we're in a much better place than I think we were even five years ago. Okay.
0: That's really funny you say that because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day um, about how, you know, the parliament or, you know, people can say sorry about Aboriginal people and it's like, yep, done, we've done that, tick it off, that's all. And that's kind of like what you were saying then is we've got the yes vote, it's kind of done and it's like, no, we've still got a really long way to go.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, one question I actually have for you guys, or you specifically, Dan, is I'm seeing a lot of um, events around town that are inclusive of, you know, I think it's BIPOC. What does that mean again? People of colour and what does BIPOC mean?
2: Uh, I'm not too sure. BIPOC. I know that people of colour. I don't
0: remember. I'll have a look. I maybe I'm saying it Black, a bit more.
2: indigenous and people of color.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. So BIPOC and queer community events. Why do you think that these two minority groups are kind of like drawn to each other?
2: Um, I guess like with any minority group, when you understand what it what it feels like to be a minority, you you're so much more likely to connect with um with people who can relate to that experience. I do think people of colour um, and Aboriginal people in Australia have played such a big role um, in in progressing the rights of LGBTIQA plus people and, and around the world, people of colour have really um, made a massive contribution to, to progressing our rights that um, we need to acknowledge that and we need to... Um, you know, show people that that we acknowledge and appreciate the the effort and the commitment that um people of color and, and indigenous communities have made towards equality.
0: Mm. Cool. Yeah, because I always see them around and I'm like, I never like I never know why the why it is that like it yeah because i i live on the morning to peninsula and i'm just starting i'm moving if it's very soon guys i'm very excited yeah. uh, very very excited but it's a very white um just it's a very like I don't want to say plain community but it's a plain community down here you know there's not a lot of diversity well visible diversity in any kind of way so you know going to events in the city where it's like a lot more open and a lot more people and everyone is just accepted in a kind of different way to down yeah. here so I'm like learning all these new things which can kind of be really tricky to navigate as well. And, you know, I'm a very trying to be a really open-minded person and learn as much, but um, learn as much as I can. But sometimes it can be quite daunting as well because, you know, just like when someone says abo, I'm like, Oh fuck man, just like, just don't say it kind of thing. And then that's like an ignorance that people take on as well. And, you know, I guess in these spaces, ignorance is like your worst enemy so you know i'm sure a lot of people listening out there as well don't really um might not understand all the terminology can you just maybe give a little bit of advice on how best to um i guess educate yourself in terminology i know that's a really broad question no uh, no it's, it's
2: a great question because i think what you you've touched on is, is perfect the Terms within the LGBTIQA plus community change quickly. They're very fluid. So they might mean different things to different people. Um, and uh, we do have a lot of uh, terms that are new and, and that are sort of um, coming out. And, and it takes time for people to learn, learn all of these terms. So I guess, you know, to anybody who is listening, if you are struggling with it, that's okay. That's completely normal. Um, even as somebody who's in the community, I can't... I don't know all the terms I can't keep up with all the terms, but you know, I just do my best to to sort of research. Michael, what, what would you say? Um, I think, yeah. I think it's really
1: important to remember that it's okay to get things wrong occasionally. Like it's important not to beat yourself up about it. Just treat it as a learning experience. I like guess we said terms and community are like are changing all the time. And you know, you might be saying stuff that's a bit outdated or things that you're not really too sure about. Um, for example, we talked about the term queer before how some people in the community uh, think it's a great term. And some perhaps links back to the old days where it's perhaps still not great. So it's about kind of understanding and being okay that the terms are changing and um, it's about just keeping up and trying to do your best with them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And we also have a bunch of resources um, on Deadly Stories and at VACA that can help people um, to understand terminology and, and common terms that they might hear within the community. Mm-hmm.
0: Guys, we'll link that um, on the Cultural Hub as well. I'll link that in um, this episode description when it comes out, just for anyone listening. Um, so I guess, Michael this is going to be one for you so something that's come to light in my eyes and my ears in the last couple of years probably um you know not being non-binary so with non-binary comes pronouns i'm guessing that's how i would put it so how do i know what pronoun to use if i'm unsure
1: So, yeah. So with pronouns, what we like to do is something called pronoun queuing. So if we're in a meeting, for example, and we're introducing ourselves, I'll say, hi, I'm Michael. I use he, him pronouns. So what that does, that really opens the conversation. That's lets people know that, that I'm safe to talk to about that, that I really respect pronouns and that you can all share your pronouns as well. And it gives an opportunity for people to share pronouns as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So as an ally, that would be the best thing to do if you're in a meeting or you're with a group of friends or you maybe might be unsure is to kind of just put yourself out there first and make that a safe space.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. The key thing about being an ally or my experience of being an ally is just letting people know that you're there as someone who's supportive of the community, who's safe to talk to as well. And, um, yeah, kind of give opportunities to kind of for people to feel safe. That's something that's really key on that. hmm.
2: And if I can just add to that, it's okay to ask people what their pronouns are. I think, um, you know, there there can be a lot of fear around asking somebody what their pronouns are. But if you do that in a really respectful and polite way, you you shouldn't really have any issues um, with with somebody, um, you know, having to tell you what their pronouns are. I might ask it, um, if you don't mind me asking, I use he, him pronouns, what pronouns do you use? And, you know, that's a really genuine, polite, respectful way to ask somebody what their pronouns are
0: you know recently I was um and as I was saying I live in a very plain Jane place at the moment but recently I went to like a DJ workshop in at the Collingwood Yards and I can't remember who it was with but it's a space that holds um youth groups for queer and people of color um I can never remember what it's called but it was really awesome place to go but I didn't actually know that's um the space that they were holding it in I just ended up going and um when I was speaking to everyone there, I think it was, I was actually so surprised that there was 12 people in the room and I think eight might've been non-binary and then four would have been identified as she and her. And I was so surprised to be in a space full of, um, people that identified majority as non-binary and I just like it was just a time where I was like wow I have really been living under a rock you know like this is becoming such more like a diverse space for people to feel like they can be whoever they want or whoever they feel like they are and it was actually really cool to be around people that were kind of different as well
2: absolutely i think our whole the whole concept of gender is changing we used to look at it as as male and female um and now we understand that it's far more complicated than that it's you know to to just have male and female and some people are looking at gender as, as a spectrum and, and something that you can move between and i think that that's just so beautiful it's gonna break down so many um like gender roles and, and gender stereotypes. And it's so exciting when you see young people so confidently um, you know, identifying as, as non-binary or or gender diverse or, you know, just being their authentic selves and not not being scared of, of what people might think.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is something that um, someone older actually said to me recently was, do you think people are just saying non-binary because it's a trend? What would you say to someone that was to say this to you?
2: Um, I would say, I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, for the first time in my life, People are actually looking at gender completely differently. Um, We're raising a generation of of kids that are looking at at things differently. I don't think it's trendy to to identify as non-binary. It's just that now we're in a safe enough space um, that some some people are in a safe enough space that they can um, feel comfortable enough to, to identify
0: Exactly. And I kind of said the exact same thing to that person. I said, you know, I don't think it's an easy choice as well. You know, like identity is something that we all face problems with no matter what it is, it can be, you know, sexual, um, you know, where you're from, who's your mom, that kind of thing. And it's never an easy path, you know, and we all face with things in our head that make us question. And sometimes they might not be right because, you know, our head can just like, I trick myself with things all the time, but sometimes they really are. And, you know, it's important that we hold those spaces for um, people to feel safe in any way.
2: Absolutely. And it's, it's a journey. Like, you know, some people, some people might go through this journey, identify as non-binary, realize no actually I feel like I should be identifying you know as a as a man and identify as a man or or you know go back to how they were identifying before but everybody's journey should be respected whether regardless of where the destination is do you think Michael
1: yeah, I think you're definitely right there. And I think there's often an assumption that when you like come out, that's it. You're one thing, now you're the other. And it's like, I don't think that's really how it works. As you said, it's about a journey, it's often a long time, you know, and it's really important to, I mean, I'm from an ally's perspective to like respect that and really just support the journey that
2: people are on as well.
0: Yeah.
2: And I'll yeah. say, like, I, I came out as bisexual before I came out as gay because I was pretty scared of people's reaction. Um, and yeah. I would hate for people to to like hold me to that. No, you said you were bisexual. It was like, no, I needed I needed to to go on that journey and to go through that process for me to feel comfortable in identifying the way I do today
0: yeah for sure was that a hard journey for you to come out like if you don't mind me asking
2: yeah no um so I, I was quite lucky I had a, a really supportive family um it was definitely hard I remember I would upload photos as my like iPhone background of cute boys because I was like I don't want to I don't want to start the conversation so if I drop some hints hopefully someone will ask me and I don't have to um start the conversation <laughs> but that didn't work. So um, for me, I had to eventually, I guess, sort of rip that band-aid off, but I, I ripped it off because I, as far as I knew, I was the only person who was identifying as LGBTIQA plus in my school and in my community. And I thought that it was impossible for me to be the only the only queer person. So I thought that if I was to come out, that it might encourage other queer people to to be themselves and express themselves authentically.
0: Did it encourage anyone? Uh, yeah,
2: I had a few people actually approach me um, and say that you know, and have discussions about their sexual orientation and stuff. Uh, I, I guess I was expecting this big coming out party. We'd all dance under glitter to "I'm Coming Out" by Diana Ross at school. <laughs> it would have been amazing. Um, but I didn't quite get that. I, I still just got a, a few people who, um, you know, took comfort in, in confiding in me and, and that was good enough. That was really special. And can I just quickly ask from
1: like a perspective in, of an ally, is there anything that you think would have been good perhaps if some things went differently that would have really helped you when you were coming out?
2: Yeah, I do. I do think so. Um, what I think is... <sighs> if If I was to come out today again and, and like Michael said, coming out we we come out every day you know, every time you're at the shops and somebody's looking at you because your voice is a bit different you, you know you're coming out every day to to people um but I think if I was coming out to my family and stuff again, I would be you know I'd want to hear that they care that they still. Sorry, that's my puppy. Ari, stop. Um, I'd want. Sorry, if I was coming coming out to my family, I'd want to know that they care about me, that they're supportive of me, that um, you know, they they're going to be there. They understand that this is my journey that I'm on, and I'll I'll, um, I'm responsible for sort of steering that journey. Um, and if they needed time, like both my, both my parents, it took them some time to adjust to me being gay and me holding a boy's hands and, you know, having a boy over instead of a girl. It took, took them some time. Um, and I guess, you know, I'd like to hear that. I, I'd like, I would have loved for them to say, I I'm so supportive of you. I'm here for you. Please be patient with me while I learn. Cause you know, this is new to me as well. Um, Yeah. I think that that's really important. Michael, how would you respond as an ally if somebody came out to you? Do you think? I think like from now, as I said, like it was a
1: journey for me and perhaps what I said before I started working in this role to now would be different as well. But I think similar to what you said, let people know that, you know, that's completely all good. You know, I would probably say, you know, thank you for telling me like, thank you for seeing me as someone who's safe to talk to about that. And how can I support you on your journey? You know, I think it's just, it's just about respect, isn't it? It's just about, you know, helping um, helping someone else out. So.
2: And, and that would be perfect. That's exactly what I'd want to hear from a friend if, if I was
0: to come out to them. Isn't it kind of like, not silly, I don't know if silly is the word, but that we have to come out? Like, it's, it's kind of like a... I, I remember seeing this ad once, and it must have been an ad or a video clip, and it was like... It, I swear it was an ad, and it was people going like, Mum... I'm straight, and they would just drop their mouths, and it would be like it was almost the reversal. Did you guys ever see that?
2: Yeah, I think I might have actually.
0: Yeah, and when you put it into that context, it's like, wait, it's just weird that it's like yeah. a thing that, you know, and this is what I said before about, you know, if like. I was actually just talking with a girlfriend the other day to say, like if someone just brought along a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, from whatever gender they are, it just wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be a big deal, but for that person coming out, it could really be something that, you know, wait on them for a really long time. And to kind of assist them in that process, I guess, would just to be super open-minded and um, to make them known that obviously, like you said, you care and like, it's okay. Like we love you for whatever and whoever you want to date. you know 100%
2: and I think you you touched on like a few really important things like firstly that coming out is just correcting an assumption that that we all make about people we assume people are heterosexual so coming out is just correcting that assumption Um, and coming out looks different for everyone I've got really close friends um, who are really comfortable with their their sexuality but haven't had a conversation with their parents where they felt like they've needed to to come out what they they're saying is when I bring home a a boyfriend my family will know what my sexuality is I don't think I need to have a conversation with them to to say that for me I needed that conversation to happen but for them that that's what their journey looks like
0: absolutely and um you know something that I've started doing and I'm, I'm very conscious of this actually um is when I ask people you know who they're dating I'll say do you have a partner yeah. That's one big thing I do now. And, like, I really make a conscious effort because I remember I was in Alice Springs probably like a year ago and someone was like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And I was like, oh, that's a – like, I, in my head, I was like, oh, that's a weird thing to ask, have a boyfriend. But I was like, no, it's not. Like, there's it's so – it's it's just not a weird thing to ask. And I thought they were being conscious of that, but how can I be conscious of – you know um other people so that's something that i really took on in my stride to say do you have a partner and most like actually a lot more than often now i'll say that and people say yeah i have a girlfriend like or i have a boyfriend and i'm like okay sick like that's awesome yeah. but you know it just makes them feel like they don't have to go oh yeah i have actually i'm dating a girl it's like it's, yeah you know it's just not a big deal anymore like if you know
2: and it's so awkward to do that like I remember family going oh who's a lucky girl and I'd have to be like oh his name is Joe like um so yeah like it's it, it's so awkward to do it and it's such an uncomfortable feeling so to be able to remove that for someone is is something you know a, a good ally will do. Mm-hmm, for sure. I think, like, touching on what you said before, it's really just
1: about creating inclusive language as well. And by having inclusive language, by asking things like partner, we create safe spaces and inclusive spaces as well. So it's often just little stuff like that that can have a really big impact as well.
0: For sure. And talking about inclusive spaces, um, going back to gender and sexual orientation, what is the difference between those and how do we um, best make a safe space for young people when talking about, you know, both of these terms? Yeah.
2: Mark, would you want to answer this or do you want me to...? Um, I think do you want to answer this one, maybe? Okay, Um, so I think the the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity, so gender identity is a a person's internalized sense of self, so that can be feminine, masculine, neither, both, or moving around freely, and someone's sexual orientation describes a romantic and or sexual attraction to another person, ways that we can make people feel safe in these spaces we've sort of touched on them a little bit so not making assumptions um using words at work making sure that you're using terms partner instead of boyfriend girlfriend husband or wife um making sure people feel seen in spaces that we we sort of touched on that having a rainbow flag can can do so much to make you feel safe and seen in a space um i think Michael will speak about being an active ally, but knowing that the people in the space contribute to the community. So, you know, I had my dad come along to a to chill out festival earlier this year. Um, that was amazing. It's not something I thought my dad would do. And when I asked him and he said, yes, I was like shocked. And I almost got a little bit teary cause I was like, wow, we've come so far from where we were. Um, but you know, having him participate in something that's made for LGBTIQA plus people meant the world to me, um, and made me feel really safe. And, and knowing that FACA contributes and participates in these events and makes me feel safe at work as well. So you know, I think those are some of the ways that we can we can make people feel safe in these spaces. It's but a really we'll do- heartwarming
0: thing, isn't it? Like to see that change and to know that it directly affects you. But you're also um, creating space for other people who feel the same. And your dad, like that's, you know, that one so- it will just be a given. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so nice. Like it was definitely challenging for him that the queer community is very diverse, um, you know, and so it, he was out of his depth, um, but he took it in his stride and he was there for me and, you know, it, yeah, it, it did wonders for our relationship, I think to, to have him there and, and be so supportive. Do, do you feel like he's a better understanding of the community since taking him there? yeah absolutely um and i think that you know he's prouder to to have a son that's a part of that community once you see the community you know that i i met somebody um recently who only come out um last year they're 21 um and they haven't been a part of the community yet and i said to him once you're a part of the community, you will feel so much more comfortable and so much more free in expressing yourself because it is so diverse, you feel so loved, you feel so welcome. Um, and for a lot of people, it can be the first time that that they're around people that are, that are celebrating their diversity. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, having the people that I really care about see, see that community and see why I wanna be a part of it um, yeah, it just made made our relationship better. They understand me better. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Sorry, I just went on a bit
0: of a rant there. No, but people need to hear that as well, you know, and that um, personal connection and um, things that affect you, help people understand why it's important Mm -hmm. to kind of attend these events and make these spaces, especially for all the young mob or just mob or people in general that are listening to this and to be able to relate to you, you know, maybe they're feeling the same way. Super important. And I think in a lot of spaces we miss that human connection and that person, I'm going to make a word up now, personability. I don't think that word is that a word yeah i think it
2: is we'll go with it yeah i have a bad
0: habit of just like making up words and making them work but you know we'll go go with it (laughs) um you talk about community and communities what like why what why do you use the phrase lgbtqia plus communities instead of community
2: um, so I think either, either can be you. So I guess when you're speaking about, um, LGBTIQA plus people, um, really broadly, you would say the community. But the, the queer community is made up of lots of different groups. So you've got your, your gay men, lesbian women, um, you know, gender diverse people, trans people, people who are non-binary, people who don't fit any of the, those definitions. So I think when we say communities, we're acknowledging all of the different um, groups that belong to this, this umbrella community.
0: If that makes
2: sense? Yeah, for sure. I think it's like, worth...
0: It. Oh, sorry, Ty. No, no, you go, you go, Michael.
2: And I, was, I was saying, I think it's
1: also worth mentioning, um, also the use of the term rainbow community is really good as well. Often if people, you know, don't want to say the LGBTIQ plus community or communities, often say the rainbow community, kind of in reference to the flag as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Something we've got down in our questions here, I'm just having a little suss you talk about brother boys and sister girls now i've always just used this terminology like since i was a little girl calling you know um i call my sisters my sister girls or my brother boys or you know and i use that those terms quite broadly but then i also acknowledge that you know that is also used for i know some of the tiwi island mob they all call them sister girls Like, I don't know if that, does that mean they are trans or they just, I like identify like, where does that fit? So a
2: brother, a brother boy is, uh, um, so like you said, it can be used as a term of endearment. So brother boy and sister girl, um, when they are being used as a term of endearment, if they're being spelt, the ER in brother and sister is normally replaced with an A. Um, But when they're being used in the context of uh, describing somebody who's gender diverse, brother boys refer to people who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and have a male spirit or take on male roles within the community. Um, And the term sister girl is used by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have a female spirit and take on female roles within the community. Um,
0: that doesn't necessarily mean um they're trans, it just means their spirit is
2: yeah, so um, I guess the way that we look at gender identity within the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community is really different, and it's always been really different and and these ideas of um what The way we see gender today, is, it comes from colonisation. That's not the way that yeah. Aboriginal people have always seen gender. So I guess when we say it take on, takes on a female spirit, what that looks like for um, each person is different, they might identify as trans and as a sister girl, or they might just say, no, I, I have this female spirit within me
0: if that makes yeah, sense yeah no for sure I just always wondered because I know that we always used to say the sister girls in tea I think it's tiwi um there's lots of sister girls I think that's how you say it but then I was like I always call my like my sisters my sister girls. so that's good for like some clarification there as well and just say yeah, anyone definitely. listening like I just want to open that space for people who are still learning just like me as well you know I think it's important um to kind of have have that space and get things wrong and I'm so lucky to have you guys where I can kind of bounce things off as well because I know it can get really hard educating people and I'm sure you feel the same way Dan and Michael as an ally sometimes you know when people might be a bit ignorant it's kind of like oh you know (laughs) kind of over this or um you know it's getting a bit too much so Dan how would you deal with um someone that is being quite ignorant in those situations
2: um well I think if somebody's being ignorant, it depends, it depends on the context because maybe what, Mark, would you want to talk about the way that you sort of approach these questions? Because I think that you can show the difference between being ignorant and proactive and being ignorant and not doing anything about it
1: yeah yeah so often um some of the advice is get particularly if i'm talking to older members of my family sometimes they just they're not necessarily meaning to say the wrong words or be homophobic. They, they just didn't grow up they're like it's a bit easier for people of our generation to kind of learn more about um key terms and keep up to date with current terminology but they really didn't have that so it's important to i feel particularly with older people be patient understand that they may not know but really just try to inform them in a really positive way we often use the term calling in rather than calling out as well It's kind of if there's discrimination or microaggression you explain to the person why it's not okay and why it's important to um to do that um unfortunately there are going to be situations where people aren't really supportive and it's key to also remember you know do we feel safe in this situation calling them out do we feel like we can change their minds or is it sometimes better to perhaps leave it for a bit so it really depends on the context and the situation about making sure that the community feels safe and that
2: we're doing what we can to support the community as well. Mm. And I think for, for those queer people, because I, I did have to do so much educating and it was bloody exhausting. Um, you know, people would come to you and, you know, have all of these questions and expect you to be the voice to the whole LGBTIQA plus community. So I think any, if I was to give somebody advice who was in a similar situation, get support. Don't, don't be doing it all by yourself. Have have a group of people that you can come back to and be like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted because I've had to define my sexuality 15 times today. Or have a group that like, I know, I could, if I was feeling really exhausted, I'm, I have so much confidence in Michael and his ability to, to be a great ally that I could say to someone, look, I'm sorry, I don't have capacity today to to answer your questions. Hit up Michael and he can let me know if there's any other, if, if he, there's something he doesn't know. And, and just you
0: actually do that?
2: Um, I haven't had to yet. I've, I've been quite lucky if this was, you know, um, Eight years ago, Michael would probably probably be super exhausted because I would have been handballing heaps his way.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but, yeah, I, I haven't had to yet, but I would feel so confident in, in doing that because, you know, I really trust Michael and I trust that he's supportive and he, and he demonstrates his willingness to contribute to our community. Um, and so that makes me feel really safe in leaning on him for support. Mm-hmm. I think that's
1: really key what you say there as well. It's about developing that kind of trust in being that person who can carry that kind of stuff, you know, who can, if you need to divert, to talk to them about anything. It's about showing, I just think from an Alice perspective, that you are safe and that you can, you have the same respect for the community and the understanding of the community as well, It's really important. Mm.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that like, leads into my next question. You know, as a kid, I remember I always used to run around the yard and say, oh, that's so gay. Like those kind of, you know, like everyone used it. It was just like a thing that I actually heard someone say it the other day and I was like, what? Like I haven't used it since I was like in grade. Yeah, are we seven.
2: still saying that? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that meme, like that is so gay. Like that was just such a terminology that was used. So like... <laughs> is it offensive if people don't mean anything by it? And, you know, what does it, what does that term mean for you?
2: Yeah, I think it's still offensive. Um, because you're, you're using the term gay to replace something that you're describing as lame. And so what does that, you know, are you then associating gay people with being lame? Is that sort of what the, the bucket that I'm being thrown into? Um, and also like words can be really harmful i remember um the first time i held a boy's hands in a chew car somebody drove past and yelled out the f word um out of their window and now when i hear that word my skin crawls It's it was just so awful um and so if somebody's had an experience like that where that term's being used as a weapon to, to make them feel bad and then they hear it to de- being used to describe something that's lame like it can be have a really harmful impact on somebody. So, you know, I would I would encourage people, would you like to be associated with something that's shit? Like, what if I said, oh, that's so Talia. Like, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, even then I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that would suck. It's like a little bit of a heart drop, you know.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's offensive and there's so many better words that people can be using. That's lame, that's shit. Like, yeah, pick another word
0: i actually was doing that i can't remember i had a friend or someone close to me a while back that every time they'd say it i'd say lame that's mm. lame not gay because it essentially that's what they're meaning to say but it's kind of just been something that's put into our heads that we've just automatically gone to say and now like i haven't heard anyone say in a while that's why when i said when someone said it i was like what even does that mean like who yeah. are you? are you stuck in grade seven or something
2: and I've, st- I've still got, like, cousins and friends who I'll be sitting there and they'll go, that's okay, and they're like, oh, sorry. But I know that every time I'm there and I pull them up on saying it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to stick in their minds and they might be less likely to say it. So don't be scared to be the one that's like, hey, don't say that word. You know, you don't have to end a friendship over it. You just have to be like, oh, that's a gross word, use something different.
0: Yeah, I like the way you put that, oh, that's a gross word. yeah. <laughs> just turn that word off so yeah. talking about let's go into the next question are bisexual people just folks who have finished coming out as gay are uh, not finished coming out as gay or lesbian you know obviously i i know the answer to this but in a broad, broader context anyone listening can you just give a brief to you know um answer to this question
2: yeah no, michael do you want to answer this or do you want me to um <laughs> I'll give it a go, but uh, if you yeah, feel free to let if I um, don't cover it. But
1: I think it's really important to remember that bisexual people are people who are attracted to two or more gender identities. So it's really important to remember of that term as well and um, that can also be called bi or bi plus as well and it's also really important to come to terms with um your sexual orientation can be challenging and confusing and um and it can also be a journey as we talked about before that people are allowed to change and identify as one thing and then changes later down the track as well but um it's also important to remember if someone respects if someone identifies as
2: bi to respect that as well yeah yeah, but bisexuality is a, is a legitimate sexual orientation. There are people who are attracted to two or to more gender identities um, you know and for some people it's part of their journey for others it's their destination. Yeah.
0: Mm. And what do you what would you say for some advice for you know maybe a worker working with a young person that is struggling with their sexual identity to make them feel safe in this space <laughs> Um, I think
2: what I would say is just just allow them to explore this journey and, and be supportive of it. Say, you know, it's okay if you don't know if, if you're working it out, like I'm just here to help you work it out. I'm not here to encourage you to get to one destination or another. I'm just here to be to be here for when you need me. Michael, would you add anything to that? Do you think? No, I think that covers it a okay. little.
0: So it's so weird sometimes, Michael. I like can't hear you. Can you hear oh, him? Sorry,
1: yes. Sorry, my internet keeps like cutting out occasionally. Oh, no, so I far. can like
0: hear you a little bit, but it's like really oh, weird. No. I'm like, is he sorry?
1: Yeah, apologies about that. Yeah, my internet's no, been, no,
0: very stress. good
1: as well. So, I, like sometimes <laughs> where I like miss some stuff and I'm like, after yeah to use context clues and how
0: to do it <laughs> for sure. It. So, I've got another question for you guys. I was at a this same DJ workshop. And I was really happy to be in a space, um, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but with lots of feminine energy, I felt like it was feminine energy and no like guys in a way, but I was nervous to say that because I was so excited to just be around like um, um, women and non-binary, I don't know how to say it, but I was just really excited to be in a space with heaps of feminine energy. And I was nervous because I was like, I don't know how to say that in a way that might not offend people. Like no one identified as he or him, but I also didn't want to make someone feel like I was putting them into a box of being a woman or, ha- you know, having that feminine energy. And I spoke with someone after about it and they said, I think that's when you say cis males.
2: Yeah. Or like so-
0: how hey. I... Yeah.
2: So, uh a cis male, so cisgender is when you identify with the gender that, that you were assigned at birth. So I was assigned a, a male gender at birth. I identify as a male. Um so I would be a cis male. Um so in the okay. in, what were you I guess sh- sort of trying to say that you you're really grateful to be in a space where you you know, there was that feminine energy and um, people were expressing themselves authentically Mm. yeah Yeah, like
0: that was that was kind of what I was trying to say but I guess um so does cisgender mean that like your gender at birth
2: so it means that you you do identify with the gender that you were assigned to at birth so um Natalia, if you were assigned a female gender at birth and you identify as a female, you would be a cis female. But if you were assigned a female gender at birth and identify as a male, you might identify as being um, trans or, or gender diverse.
0: Oh, okay. So because I identify as a woman and I was born as a woman, I would be cis female. Yeah. now okay now okay now I get it so in a space where you know for example I was in that space what would be something that I could say to be you know inclusive
2: yeah I think that like you know don't don't be scared to to call it for what it is you know you might say like um I'm really liking this diverse vibe this vibe of like you know uh a current of energy that just feels so powerful and feminine and beautiful. And I feel so safe in this environment, um, you know, and that's, I think would be a, a fine thing to say to somebody because you're not saying you're a woman you're giving off feminine energy there's feminine energy there you know you can acknowledge it i feel like i have a feminine current running through me all the time and and mm-hmm. that's beautiful but i don't identify as as trans or non-binary i still identify um as a man, but there's, there's still that feminine current michael would you add anything because okay. uh, i can only
0: speak Ooh, yeah um, that's a really good way of- <laughs>
2: Sorry, could you read that? Uh, I was just going to say, I can only speak from somebody who's in the community. So I think that my experience is really different to an ally. I don't feel like I have to sort of be, well, I, I am still conscious of what I say, but as somebody who's in the community, I guess I would be less worried about offending people. Yeah. Yeah. I think with me, because when I first started kind of this journey of being an
1: ally, I was often really nervous. I was going to say the wrong thing. And um, I think, particularly being a cisgender straight guy there's certain there's certain um perhaps expectations of what you're going to be like as well and i think it's really important to remember that you know being, you, if you're being supportive of the community, you're being supportive of the community. You know, it's like we talked a bit before about you know, going into a diverse space and perhaps how do we say feminine energy or non-binary? It's about really like I feel safe in this point. Like there'll be different periods where I feel safe as well. And I think it's really good about if we create the safe just like create a safe space that we're in, then everyone just feels safe in general. Like when I look at the rainbow flag, I often see it as a symbol of inclusivity, accepting, um, understanding, and they're just good values to have just in society in general as well. So.
0: Mm -hmm. for sure and something that just came to mind just then I heard of something on um Facebook or you know where people have started being like you know if anyone can be anything I'm going to come out as a unicorn or something like that you know something really in a way I would feel like that's offensive to me personally how do you feel like that um how do you feel about comments like that
2: it, it really devalidates uh, the experience of trans and gender diverse people. That, yeah. that, that journey can be so tough and so hard um, and to have somebody minimise it and go, oh, well, I'll just identify as a unicorn and they're not acknowledging how difficult that journey can be for some people. Um and I think it just shows ignorance. It shows a lack of empathy and, and an unwillingness to walk in somebody else's shoes. We run another activity, um, and a shout out to Michael who's curated these these brilliant activities. Yeah, so in that activity, we. Um, Get, get participants to write down nine important things in their life and then have a conversation without mentioning those nine things. Um, and, and what it does is it shows people what it would be like to, to have to hide your gender identity or your sexual orientation. And people come out of that activity gobsmacked, don't they, Michael? Like I have never thought about it like that. I've never walked a mile in that person's shoes. And you see the difference um, in, in the way that they're thinking, and I think you know, if people who make those comments could what could reflect and go, well, what would it actually be like if I was gender diverse, and how would hearing what I've just said affect me? They they wouldn't say um, comments like that.
0: Yeah, really, sure. just
1: about seeing how the other person feels and kind of understanding what they're going through as well.
0: Mm. It's that lack of empathy and understanding, hey, and you never really know what someone's going through. So it's really important to kind of um, just, like, lead with grace.
2: Talia, you, yeah. you, you would, like, be able to relate to this when people, I don't know about you, but when people say to me, oh, what percentage aboriginal are?" Originally?
0: Oh, don't even get me started on that. Right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: It's like, you know, it's just it just minimizes your whole experience of you know not not like for me I didn't know my identity I didn't know who my my mob was who, like my culture and for you to then go oh well you're only you know this percent Aboriginal anyway it's like well, hey that's been a really tough experience don't like minimize all the work I've done yeah my, my
0: absolutely someone told yeah. me I was one sixteenth one so I was like what does that even mean like what yeah. But still, tea. It's still yeah. tea.
2: Put some milk in it. Yeah. It's still tea.
0: I was literally just about to use that. I was about yeah. to say that little one, slip it in. But yeah, yeah, literally, put as much milk in me that you like. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> like tea.
2: 100%. <laughs> absolutely.
0: So, um, in terms of another question, I was looking up some questions regarding um, you know, these topics because I wanted to try and be as broad um, as I can to try and include maybe if any listeners have got any questions and whatnot. Something that I came across was how can I support the rainbow community, people without my own sexual orientation becoming an issue? So, you know, can you just maybe expand on Michael, I don't know if this is maybe something you want to answer, but, you know, maybe we might have a worker that is working with a young person um, and the young person is going through some identity issues. How do we... How do they maybe kind of navigate separating the two from their identity and the young person's?
1: So do you mean in terms of, like, how to connect with that person? Is that...
0: I'm also mean maybe if... The confusion that a worker might face then going into with problems with a young person does that make sense? Feel like I'm not phrasing that right.
1: Um, I, I kind of go, I'll, I'll try to answer it and let me know if I'm not answering yes. it on the way, but I think in terms of that, if I was the worker, I'm thinking, well, like, you know, I'm cisgender, I'm a straight guy. I would kind of look at it kind of in the other person's shoes or thinking, okay, how can I do research on this to try and I better understand? Mm-hmm. So for example, at VACA, like this is very VACA centric, this thing, but if I was a case worker, I would contact our rainbow at VACA.org email address that we've got. And I'd ask perhaps for some advice there. Um, as well as seeing if I can access any resources as well so say if I've got um, a a child who's uh, transgender I might do some research online as well in terms of what does it mean to be transgender what is the term transgender as well and really kind of understand that from that person's perspective as much as you can and then think from there okay I'm here what can I do to help in terms of that as well
0: yeah, for is sure. That, is so that
1: kind it, of what you were?
0: Yeah, kind of what I was um, bridging on. So that's kind of like taking a step back and going, okay, so it doesn't matter what my sexual orientation or maybe what I believe or something, it's about holding the space for this young person. And, you know, if that's in VACA to reach out to you guys and your team, or if it's in other organizations, reach out to those teams. And if they don't have one, they need one. Um, but, you know, maybe another resource. Is there any other resources that are outside of VACA that you might know of?
1: there's definitely a lot of like referral services like
2: there's thorn harbour health they're really good as well yeah. um uh, or dan what are My, some of the other ones minus 18 are a fantastic resource for um young people so it's they run activities and events for people under the age of 18 who identify as part of the queer community but it's also a great resource for parents for carers for friends of lgbt plus people because they've got lots of articles around what you can do to support your your the queer people in your life on our deadly stories as well. Um, I don't know if we can link all of this um, in the description, Talia, but we've got um, you know lots of resources, referral lists, um, those sorts of things that can help people to sort of access services and information. Um, yeah, to, to find out
0: more. Absolutely. About it. I think that's a really good idea. I'm going to try and figure out a best way to do that because I think as well, after listening to an episode like this, it is really important to include that information for people to then resource. Um, so maybe if it's something we can put in the Mob Talk link tree even or, you know, on the Culture Hub, um, if anyone's listening, that is on the VACA website. So when we post an episode now, in a description will come out. So I'll link it there as well, um, just so if there's any young people or workers wanting to kind of know um, where's best to access. I think yeah. it's a good idea. And
2: if you're a VACA client, speak to your, your VACA case manager um, and they can sort of reach out to either myself or Michael or Bimble Marup, um and, and we can help them to find some resources. Um, but all of our VACA staff, or nearly all of them, have done our LGBTIQA plus training. So I would feel really confident in their ability to find um you know, some great services and supports to people
0: mm-hmm. that need them. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just going to ask Michael a question. What is your... I know we've kind of gone over this for... We've kind of gone over this quite a bit in this episode, but just to reiterate briefly, you know, the most important things of being an ally for these communities?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a few key things and kind of my first thing is to learn. So we talked a bit about it before, you know, doing research about the community online, um, ask friends if it's appropriate as well. Like I often watch a lot of YouTube videos if I want to do, learn a bit more about the community as well. It's also about kind of being visible as well. So as we talked a bit before, you know, try and call out discrimination and um, really try to support LGBTI plus um, businesses, organizations or charities and uh, really try and uh, promote them as well. It's also like, you know, taking care of the people in your life as well. So keep an eye on the people who, you know, are in the community, friends, family and so forth. And um, really remember that, it's important to really just respect like i think being an ally really what does it actually mean it just means to respect your friends to really be someone who can be supportive of them as well you know be someone who you can be you know you can talk about this stuff be someone and sometimes if you can't take it that's completely fine you can refer it on to someone else as well but try and just be a safe presence in people's life that's my key thing about being an ally
0: yeah for sure and dan what is some advice you can give to someone that may be struggling with their identity or um sexual identity or gender like what is some advice you can give to young people out there
2: um my advice would be it's okay it's okay to struggle it's okay not to know um you know remember that that this is a journey and and how long it takes for you to to find a term that suits you best or find your place is how long it takes. Um, don't, don't let anybody, you know, rush or slow down that journey for you and reach out for support. Um, you know, I, I remember feeling so lonely, uh, in a Juca, um, and if I could have my time over again, I would have been on Facebook. I would have been on minus eighteen, on Deadly Stories, finding these online communities where I, where I can feel like I belong until you know I can move and, and access those communities in person. Um, so yeah, make sure that you're you're connected and supported um and and yeah be, be yourself you're amazing uh, there's, there's an amazing community of people who are gonna love you um if you're not feeling that love already so yeah be yourself and come join us uh in, in your queer family we can't wait to have you
0: That is so lovely. (laughs) I always like asking people like a little reflection or sometimes I'll do like a note to yourself when you're at 17 or 16 or something. And it's just sometimes the most beautiful things come out of there because when you think about it, you're your own worst enemy, like always, like I'm the biggest enemy to myself and you know, it's just, you just gotta be kind to yourself and allow yourself to have that space and, um, just learn and grow and have your own journey. Yeah. And no, one, no one's journey is going to be exactly the same as the others. Like we're all on different paths, you know?
2: Yeah. And they're also beautiful. Everybody's journey is so beautiful, whether it's tough or amazing. Like those those things are going to make you who you are. Um, and, and that's beautiful. You, you overcome those tough times to be a stronger, more resilient person.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Dan and Michael, for coming on. This has been a long waiting episode, guys. This has been trying to happen in the works for a really long time. Um, So I'm super glad we could actually have this conversation. And I know that this episode will be a resource. for workers at VACA, workers from outside and, you know, young people, old people, anyone. So, yeah.
2: Thanks so much for having us. Um, Yes.
0: no worries
2: it's a great podcast you do you do an amazing job Talia thank you proud of yourself yeah
0: thank you I'm so glad we could do something like this though because um you know it's really important to me to be able to have that inclusive space like I'm all about um trying to be inclusive but I guess because I'm not really a part of the community or communities it's hard to um you know keep that in sight sometimes as well when I'm like fully focused on you know mob and trying to empower us but it's actually that is part of our community as well so definitely
1: you're definitely an ally now Talia Uh, yeah definitely an ally (laughs) no I always Yeah,
0: and like I guess as well you know I I grew up like my auntie I've got like two aunties that are um I guess they would be bi or whatever whoever they date they want to date right and my uncle is gay and i grew up with um many people that were you know really diverse and inclusive and stuff so it's always been something you know very in in my mind as well you know to make sure people are feeling okay and like it's just so weird to think that people couldn't marry who they didn't like who they wanted to marry i was having this conversation with someone the other day being like how is that a thing? Like- I know.
2: And in our lives, like, I, when they are old. I refuse to believe that I'm getting old. Um, so, you know, the fact that we can remember that is so bizarre.
0: Yeah, literally. Yeah. It's like, and everyone had to vote on it. Like, what, why? That should just yeah. not even be a question. I, I actually went to the best gay event, and it's actually been the best, I reckon, the best event of my life. I'm not even kidding you. It was called um, Glitterbox. Have you ever heard of it?
2: Bye.
0: you have to go like both of you if it happens again it, it was this thing that was touring in ibiza but it came to australia and it was in this um it was in sydney and melbourne and it was literally what it says it was a glitter box like it was this underground kind of place and like there was so many there were so many drag queens there there was everyone that you can think of was there and it was just like this big celebration and for me um you know i grew up with all my aunties and uncles going to mardi gras but obviously i couldn't because i was young and it it was just like wow I've never been in a space that is so just like
2: diverse and accepting
0: yeah like you could just it's, do whatever you want be whoever you want
2: yeah and that that's what I like that's what I mean by when you when you ask you know what would my advice be because the community is so beautiful and it's not until you're a part of it that you truly see, you know, how accepting that the queer community is and, and you'll be like, oh shit, I'm going to be whoever the hell I want because this is a space where I can be. Um, mm. yeah, so yeah, absolutely keep going to events. We'll have to organize a big VACA
0: um, day, Absolutely. Day. Yeah. yeah, I would love that though. I would love to come yeah. and be an ally and support and just have fun, you know. Well,
1: what do you reckon? Organization trip to Glitterbox next time it comes. Or- yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Maybe fun.
2: Start. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Don't wait for it to come. Just send us to Ibiza and we'll. Yeah. <laughs> we'll- let's do that.
0: Parker, yep. are you hearing that? Can you yeah. pay back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a part of you know. Um. It's like cultural awareness, but. Um,
2: yeah, it's professional development that's, a that's a what it is professional
0: development yeah well all right guys thank you so much for today and i'm sure i'll speak to you soon sounds great
2: thanks so much thanks Dahlia. see ya bye
0: thanks everyone for joining us on mob talk this week if you like this podcast please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on instagram and we'll see you all for another yarn soon <laughs>